Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 183 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I'm your host, Michelle Snyder. Yeah, I am Jacob Marico. All right, Jacob, my goal today mm-hmm. is to keep this really positive. Okay. So I'm just going to say the negative thing right off the bat, and then we're going to focus on the positive. Does that work for you? That works for me. I'm always looking for the positive. So today as we record... Of course, I had to like wake up this morning in my cozy bed and I was like, I'm so cozy. I had two cats next to me. That part wasn't great because they kind of make me feel like I'm going to cough in a little bit. I always like that feeling. Oh, it's a little scary for me. And then see that Russia has invaded Ukraine. Yeah. Good, good times. I mean, and all I can think of is all these residents who just awake and are like, oh, we're in war. Like, bummerville. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we're in another situation we're in But we're moving times. past that. Maybe next week. Maybe we can focus. I don't yeah. know. I thought you were going to be more upset because I told you to watch the trailer for your favorite actor's new movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. We need to just get to that at some <laughs> other point, too. There's we not do, enough time. We do a whole episode on the There's nonsense. There's not enough time. Um, today <laughs> is my nephew's 17th birthday. Oh. Wasn't that exciting? Happy birthday, dude. Yeah. Every birthday is get, get, Getting up there is almost a, almost an adult. Oh, man. How, how does that make you feel? He's not anywhere near an adult, though, in his brain, so no worries there. These kids with, with their Fortnite and their SpongeBobs, and <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't even know. I was like, isn't that like 10 years old? Um, and so, then so far away from being a kid. Also, positive news is the library appointed a new director. So we've got John Spears of Colorado Springs. Uh, heading over this way. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, so Can't the, wait to see you, uh, what he's going to have in store. Yeah, it's very exciting. The Chicago native will be here April 11th. Oh, okay. So it's it's Mad Max in the library up until then. <laughs> until folks. then, yeah. There, there are people going around with chains, and there's just books flying everywhere. It's, it's madness. It's true. We're swinging. We're swinging from the ceiling. So <laughs> yeah. So I'm always trying to stay positive about that. So welcome, John. And okay, now we're going to get into all of our stuff. Uh, so we are pretty much wrapping up Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to stress that honoring black lives, always important. Always. But also black LGBTQ lives and their contributions to our collective freedom, as always, goes past these 28 days. It should always be a year-long celebration. We've always really stressed that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, inclusion is a big part of It should be a big part of society. And anything we could do to make that a little bit you know, closer to reality. That's what we're trying to do here. All of it helps. Um, So we always like to do a black history episode and really figured that black LGBTQ is not talked about enough. Oh, no, no. Even in the community itself, it was had a long time that it's been kind of looked down upon, which makes it doubly hard. You're a minority and you're a minority in a minority. Yeah, it's very rough. And for generations, LGBTQ movements have adopted the civil rights um, movement strategies, relying on much of the foundation laid by black activists from the past and the present. So from um, Benyard Rustin to Audre Lorde to James Baldwin, these are people that we will mention later in the show if you're not sure who they are there's a really rich history of how civil rights uh black feminism and other social justice movements have paved the way for broader freedoms for our our community as a whole it's important it really affects every single one of us and most importantly activists such as like marcia p johnson and miss major who bravely called out the shortcomings of the lgbtq movement in hopes of ensuring the most vulnerable are not forgotten or overlooked, 
this continues to be a work in progress. And yeah, that's what we wanted to talk about today. Yeah, and our easiest way to do it is by bringing up, you know, movies and books and such revolving around that community. So that's what we're that's what we're going to do oh, for I you mean, today. Black queer people have been influential trendsetters, um, thought leaders, artists, authors, politicians, and have created a lot of change um, along the way. And we find it important to pay homage to the way that films have helped change the hearts and minds of people by just constantly shattering harmful stereotypes and then educating others of just all of the pressing issues that we face. Um, Film is really important for that. And I think sometimes that gets overlooked as like a movie, but it's like, no, it's representation. Like it's huge. Absolutely. I mean, like I said, inclusion, the more you see things on the screen is it's what makes it more palatable to you, especially if you don't deal with it like in your daily life. Yeah. Yeah. Complex and nuanced media representation have helped validate the everyday lives and struggles of black queer people. So while we definitely need more films that show the complexity and the beauty and the diversity of this community, there is an existing robust canon of black queer films um, that you can currently get lost in, um, learn more about history, and can inspire the next generation of filmmakers and thought leaders. So those are the films that we are going to talk about today. Jacob, are you ready? Oh, I'm always ready. Okay, I'm going to start with um, such a famous movie um, based on a super famous book would be The Color Purple directed by Steven Spielberg in 1985. Okay, I, that's a good movie. That's one that people f- kind of forget about has like a like a queer lesbian subplot in there. Well, yeah, we'll discuss that in a second. So this is based on Alice Walker's beloved novel, and the film follows um, Celie, who's played by Whoopi Goldberg, and her journey through trauma and sexual abuse and violence to find joy, purpose, and independence eventually. Um, so in the movie, the queer relationship between Celie and Suge is really watered down compared mm. to its source material. But well, this it's, it's a Spielberg movie, so sure, this Oscar-nominated film is still one of the first mainstream feature films to depict romantic love between two black women. Yeah, and again, not something you see on screen. Even to this day, it's not really something that pops up. Even yeah, though it comes up more, but. More and more, but so before production, Steven Spielberg actually, he felt really insecure about being the director of this film. And his initial response to Quincy Jones' request for him to direct it was just no, because he felt that his knowledge of the Deep South was really inadequate and that the film should be directed by someone of color who could at least have related to the struggle that many of the blacks living in the Old South faced. Um, And this is weird. So Quincy Jones argued, no, I want you to do it. Like, obviously, he's Steven Spielberg. But he was like, besides, did you have to be an alien to direct E.T.? Mm. Which is so, I was like, Quincy, that's a little weird. Yeah, it's like, well, you know, aliens don't it's, exist. It's, so It's a little different, but he decided to take the role. Um, that's pretty ironic, considering nowadays it's like the completely different viewpoint. It's like, you should probably be part of the community if you're going to make a movie. Correct. Yeah. I think he was just like, I want someone who's known to be a great director yeah. to do it. Um, I, I think Quincy Jones just wanted Spielberg to do his movie, yes, which is to- totally understandable. It caused one of the most controversial moments in the history of the Academy Awards. Academy Awards. Awards. This is a terrible day for me. <laughs> um, and it received because it received eleven nominations, 
but did not include Steven Spielberg as best director. Oh. And in the end, it won none of them. It pulled the uh, the American Hustle. Yeah, and I think there's only a few films that have done that. It is the first ever PG-13 rated film to be nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Isn't that just weird? That is weird. I know. I have so many more questions about that. But if you haven't seen or read The Color Purple, make sure to do that. I love thinking about those old rating systems because, like, Jaws is rated PG and, like, all these movies are just so over What is it? Airplane is rated PG as well? You're like, oh, boy, I don't know what they were doing back in the day. All right. What do you got for us? Um, I'm going to do a quick shout out before I get into the movies, actually, to HBO at being rather progressive on showing gay black characters on screen. Yeah. Uh, Lafayette on True Blood was a very flamboyant gay character yeah. um, for all the years that show was on the air. And then both Kima and Snoop on The Wire were both lesbians. Oh, on yeah. The, one oh, of the greatest Snoop. shows. I know everybody kind of forgets oh, about man, Snoop. Oh, man, Snoop. Um, but two of the best characters on the show were lesbians as well. So, you know, shout out to HBO. They have all their shows now. Like, Euphoria's got stuff dabbling into that. I always wonder if they care or if they're like, money, 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 money. Hey, you know what? <laughs> whatever the we'll reason. Yeah, we'll whatever the it. reason, if they're going to do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, for a movie-wise, I'm going to start off with an action one. I'm going to go with 1996's Set It Off. Have you seen this one? or? I don't remember. So it's uh, basically a story of these four ladies in South Central Los Angeles, uh, Queen Latifah, Vivica A. Fox. I forget who else is in there. They're all pretty famous uh, okay. actresses. Um, they all lose their jobs or having troubles in their um, lives regardless. So they decided, hey, you know what's a good way to make some money? Let's start robbing banks. So that's basically what they decide to do. Okay. Um, Queen Latifah in this movie, um, as you know, she's a lesbian in real life. Um, she actually plays a lesbian character in this movie, which kind of adds to her tension and drama. She, I mean, that's early still. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, absolutely. It's, this is like 1996. So yeah. This is like early 90s. Um, Queen Latifah was actually in interview said that it was very uncomfortable for her to play this oh, character wow. be- because she had not come out as a lesbian in Hollywood yet. Right. So no, That's like a new development. I don't think yeah. that came out to like less than like five, six years ago. Yeah. So she's like, I'm, I'm in this movie playing a, you know, gay character who's having problems with their friends and ha- having to hide it. And in real life, I still haven't come out and nobody knows that I'm gay period and they're all asking me about like relationships and all see, that See, and it was probably really hard for her to come out because there was no representation for her to see growing up exactly she had nothing to do so nobody to like lean on or look yeah. back on as like a motive but like it's an f gary f gary um gray movie so it's very well directed it's very kinetic it's like high energy it's just a good movie all around but when you get into some of these subplots and things it's all it adds it in so it's definitely one to go check out if you haven't seen it yet okay great um i'm bringing up one of my all-time favorite documentaries i've mentioned many times on the show and we'll mention it many more in the future um which is i am not your negro directed by raul peck from 2016 this film drew its inspiration from baldwin's unfinished manuscript which was called remember this house which was to be a really revolutionary personal account of the lives and assassinations of three of his close friends Medgar Evers, Malcolm X, and Martin Luther King Jr. So at the time of Baldwin's death in 1987, he left behind only 30 completed pages of the manuscript. Hmm. So this um, Oscar-nominated documentary is a really powerful fusion of Baldwin's words, which are read by Samuel L. Jackson. Of course. Archive footage and messages on how anti-blackness has been deeply embedded into the fabric of America It is an undeniably excellent film that is a much-needed tribute to both Baldwin 
and the racial politics of the 60s and 70s. I mean, I mean anytime you get some James Baldwin on I mean, screen, I'm just, not going to complain about just that Just read all. everything James Baldwin does. Pretty I much. really, really love him. And listening to him debate people, no one, no one could out could out debate him. Oh, no. He's definitely always a treat whenever you get to watch those old YouTube videos of him yes. like going back Beautiful and forth, mind. People, setting, setting people up into traps, letting them walk right into it. Mm-hmm. Oh, such, such, such good stuff, good man. Good stuff. <laughs> such a lot. Okay, so next one I'm going to go with the 2016 Best Picture winner, La La. Oh, wait a minute. I just I, I did the Oscar thing. Stupid. 2016, the directed by Barry Jenkins. Of course, we're talking about Moonlight. Oh yeah, Moonlight. The Mahershala Ali. I think it's his first Oscar win for this movie. Oh his yeah. First or second? I don't remember which one. No, no, no. First. Um. So this one, besides our little little play on there about why this movie is notorious. Um, so this one is based on the Terrell Alvin Alvin McCranley play in Moonlight. Black boys look blue. Um. So. It's a devastating, beautiful per- portrait of a black man finding his way into an unforgiving and unflinching world. Yeah. Like we said, coming out in the black community is never an easy thing to do. I'm not sure it's easy anywhere, but there does seem to be extra struggle um, in that community. Yeah. So this movie's broken into three parts. Um, the guy's childhood, adolescence, and adulthood. Um, Chiron, Chiron, Chiron? I, can't, I don't know. I never remember how to pronounce that. Um, it's where he's navigating his identity and his sexuality while experiencing the intersections of um, like poverty, um, oh, yeah. familia instability. I think there's like some addiction in there, and you know it pretty much has everything. I cried a lot at that movie. Yeah, it's it's a it's a rough watch, but it's an excellent like it's an excellent tone piece. And mm-hmm. oh, Marshall Ali is just amazing in this movie. He's not great in everything that he does. Yeah, and like it's just one of those. It's already kind of forgotten about, which is a shame. But is it? It I don't ever I hear mean, anybody talking be, about it. Unfortunately, yeah. But, but who's talking about anything that's not new? Well, we are a society with no memory. But I, I think know, a, a lot of people are remembering it that um, need to. But yeah, it's not. It's definitely one to check out and check out the play as well. I mean, they do make differences between plays and movie ad- um, adaptations. So make sure to re- um, read the play too, so that way you can see what they might have like loosened a little bit. When sure, it came that's to the movie always good. Okay, so I want to talk about a film I really loved. Um, this is one you definitely don't hear about. It's called Pariah. Okay. It was directed by D. Rees in 2010. Um, no, I mean, I, no. Probably no, know I the director. But anyway, this was D. Rees' debut feature. This is the first black lesbian film to be distributed in theaters nationwide by a Hollywood studio. Um, and it centers on Alike, who's played by Adepero Adeyu, maybe. Yeah, close, close enough. I, can't, I won't give it the nail, but that's a rough one. Maybe it's Oduyi. Well, Sorry anyway. for our pronunciation. I am really everyone. sorry. I do always feel terrible about that. But this is about a Brooklyn teen who's also gay and who just wants to be her authentic self and express herself in writing. And she's really nursing heartache from her first relationship um, and just crumbling under her um, devout Christian mother's disapproval. Um, And, you know, you kind of are watching her use the power of the pen to find freedom in a way that she can't in her life. The some scenes are really tough to watch, but the acting and the directing create a really winning combination for just unlocking the most powerful tool in social change, I believe, which is empathy. Mm -hmm. You need to feel empathy to understand. And there's just scenes where her mom's just like in front of her screaming at the dad, like, what are you doing? Like, she's becoming a man, like right in front of us. It's just like awful to watch. But what's crazy is that the main character who 
portrayed 17-year-old Alike okay. was 33. Oh, man, they pulled a John Hughes in that one, huh? But she looks, I mean, you can't really tell. Ooh, well, I, I envy her in that regard. Yeah, it's, that's really fascinating, but it's an excellent film. I highly recommend checking it out. It's interesting that you mention uh, D. Reese, actually, because I actually have one of their movies on my list here. Oh, okay. Um, so they also made this movie, uh, Bessie, again starring oh, yeah. Queen Latifah. Did yeah. you, do you remember that one? I do. So it's basically the story of um, blues singer Bessie Smith, um, it's another biopic, so you know we love those ones here. Oh, Andrew said we have to stop. It's, it is biopic. He yelled at us. No, no. more biopic. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with the biopic. I looked it up on Google. Oh, did Google tell you? They that said was, that biopic isn't a word. It's biopic. I'm, I'm starting the revolution. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll stick with biopic for now. Okay. Until I, um, but it centers on the intersection of childhood drama, race, gender, bisexuality, and how the Tennessee native broke barriers to be, um, rise to fame in the 20s and 30s. Which is a crazy time to be gay. Crazy time to be gay, black, a woman Ooh, in Tennessee. Oh it's a, That is a rough combination. That's a, that's a triple play right there. Um, but it's a, it's a good movie. Queen Latifah gives a great performance in this one. Uh, this is, you know. One of her best, because I don't mm-hmm. think she's. She's great. an underrated, uh, she's an underrated so actress gay. at times like yeah she's not in her living single era she's <laughs> yeah. you know she's gotten better since then oh i loved living single <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, but you don't think about it for a while like you no, get you living don't. single and martin and then <laughs> holy cow i loved martin though it's, martin was my boy <laughs> get, okay get, sorry and, and the night hanging with mr cooper we can go on for hours oh i forgot all these great shows <laughs> Go, okay. go take us back to the mid '90s with these TV. Everything shows. was great. The movies were great. The TV was great. It's good <laughs> stuff. Um, but yeah, that's a good one. I would check out Bessie. Yeah, go for it, everyone. I mean, I'll watch it again. Yeah, yeah if you watch it again, why not? Go check out her music as well, because again, blues artists from the '20s and '30s, like blues, was the basis for like rock and roll and stuff. Like one of the, oh, like, yeah. one of the definitely created musical types of America. Like, there's very few original music genres from the United States, and, like, blues is probably our most famous and probably our critically the best, like, if you look at it from an objective yeah. standpoint. so And then go back and listen to our episode about how so much of that comes from Native culture yeah. is where it all starts from. But that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, a, lot, a lot of suffering in American history, let me tell you. True. So this film, amazing, I love this one also, is called Tangerine. It was directed by Sean Baker in 2015. We have discussed it before. So Tangerine, this is a really gritty indie film that was shot exclusively on three iPhone 5Ss, which I just love. It follows two sex workers. Um, The actresses are Kitana Kiki Rodriguez and Maya Taylor. And they are just tearing through Hollywood on Christmas Eve to track down um, the one girl's boyfriend and pimp, um, and then his new girlfriend. So the, it's, it's really, start. it's so like funny and crazy. And they just, Taylor gives such a stunning performance and became the first openly trans actor to win an independent spirit award, um, taking home the trophy for best supporting female. Oh, okay. It's really interesting. The being shot on the iPhones is also just completely wild to me. It was named the 11th best LGBT film of all time um, in a survey of LGBT films conducted by uh, the BFI. So it's pretty amazing. And that it was shot while the co-lead, so that Maya Taylor, had first started taking female hormones. So oh, it was okay. like going through it as they're making the movie. It's all real wild. Yeah, so then you def- she definitely had like the, uh, 
like the experience of what was happening like oh yeah there was there up. was a lot of experience but it's a really fun it's a really fun film so definitely check that out okay. what else you got all right so let's see i'm gonna go how about this one we go with a documentary this time okay Directed by Jenny Livingston, 1990s Paris in, is burning. Oh, remember, yeah. Of this course, one? of course. So if you're not familiar, um, this is kind of show that like kind of led to more modern ones like Pose, like the FX show. I think it's an FX show. Oh, yeah. I love Pose. I haven't watched it. Like, I feel like <laughs> it's like a gap that I need to check out at some point. There's a the one actress who is trans female. Mm-hmm. is the most beautiful woman like I've ever seen. She's so hot. <laughs> You're going to love her. Oh, I can't wait, man. I'm look, I'm looking forward to checking it out. I yeah, gotta, it's I, cute. I got to burn through all my other back. Of course. <laughs> so uh, this is a documentary. Uh, it introduced the mainstream public at large. I guess that's why they call it the mainstream. <coughs> the underground ballroom scene of New York in the late, uh, in the late 1980s. Um, it highlighted the black and Latin uh, LGBTQ plus community. Um, with its creativity and its fashion sense, um, this one actually was a Sundance Award like winning movie. Like this was yeah. like a whole critical darling. It's where Madonna got her song Vogue from. She went to one of these um, ballrooms and watched it, and then, you know, yeah, I mean, that, got a, a hit out the, of it. Which I hope she want, donated some of that money. And even her choreographers were two of the biggest. Um, they were probably in the. They, pro- they probably were. Like I'm going. Yeah. Like yeah, looking at that. Yeah, I don't think she gave any of that money. Not early, well, who knows? Not I mean, she brought Madonna. a lot of attention to she, it. At she least. definitely did. I yeah. I learned what voguing was from that. Um, it, it gave kind of as a reminder of how like ballroom uh, helped build a community and like gives place people a place to go, like Huge, a place where they yeah. can be part of a group. Like when they're having so much trouble at home, it's such a it's a good documentary. It's again one that you forget about these kind of old movements or old like I don't want to say that they were like fads or anything like this ballroom thing but like a idea of like a one little section of time and one little community yeah and to see like when it was at its height like what was going on and how influential did it end up being in the grand scheme of things well definitely what's interesting is there is a follow-up documentary called kiki oh. um, and it actually picks up right where paris's burning leaves off oh. and it shifts to a new generation of the lgbtq youth in the ballroom scene. Oh, see, I didn't know about that one. So there you go. See, I love when stuff's got documentaries have sequels. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually, it's really great. It really, I think this film really compassionately captures a scene of, again, people just like still on the social mar- margins, like just, and it really, again, demands respect and empathy for people who it's too often denied. Like, I don't understand why. But anyway, so, sorry. Kiki and Paris is Burning. It's a good doubleheader. We have to talk about one that has been streaming on Netflix, The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson. We mentioned in the intro. This um, was directed in 2017. So this is David France's film, and it's the second documentary that they've made that it really juggles two main goals. Okay, so it pays um, homage to an iconic trans activist, that's Marsha P. Johnson's life, and examines her suspicious 1992 death. So it uses modern day interviews and archive videos and it highlights her friendship with fellow trans activists and it illuminates her lasting legacy and how her bravery completely influenced the LGBTQ movement that we see today. So I just wanted to get into it a little more because it's really crazy. So she's like a Stonewall veteran, okay, um, beloved Greenwich Village personality, and then turns up 
dead shortly after gay pride in 1992. And this was the latest in a series of murders and gay bashings and like mysterious deaths in the gay community. And it's crazy because she has, is seen in footage at a political march shortly before her death um, at an action trying to draw attention to these hate crimes. So she's okay. out marching being like, yo, mm. they're killing us. And then she becomes the next, next victim. And of course, it's immediately dismissed as a suicide. Of course. Even though there was no evidence that she was suicidal and significant evidence that Johnson was harassed and stalked on that very night. They have evidence of that. So, it's you know, a, it's come a tra- on. It's a tragedy the way that like law <sighs> enforcement used to look at hate crimes against gay people and stuff and just didn't take them seriously or didn't care. Like, just, no, it was the same, I think, with like prostitute crimes until they became serial killer-esque of like, well, yeah. whatever, girls just went missing. But now we get to do that with the Native community yeah. and women go missing and we're like, well... Yeah, it's like, well, whatever. Whatever. We'll we'll, we'll do a storyline about it on Dexter or we'll make a movie about it. That'll be enough. Yikes. But that's a really important documentary to check out. The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson. We're running out of time. You want to do Um, do a little more? Run through some quick ones here. Um, Young Soul Rebels from 1991. It's a cultural coming of age movie um, based on the British youth movement. um, Okay. From the 70s. Um, it's a love story between a gay punk and a soul boy. Um, oh, I love that. We got yeah, a punk a, and a soul kid. Who have the uh, who face racism and homophobia in both West Indian and white communities. I can imagine there's going to be yeah. problems on both ends of that sure. one. Um, 2014's uh, Blackbird. Um, go check that one out. It's um, another quick one to go check out. Um, Nas and Malik, directed by Jay Dockendorf. Dockendorf, yeah, of 2015. Another coming-of-age story about two friends who... Okay. End up becoming lovers that face problems at home. This one involving a black Muslim, which again, I mean, a it's rough situation. It's just rough for so many people. And then, um, I guess, uh, Brother Outsider: uh, The Life of Bayard Rustin. Um, it's another documentary. Uh, vital architect of the civil rights movement in Washington, Washington, but didn't receive any kind of credit or limelight about it because. He was gay, so they didn't want to. They didn't want to bring him up. So I might mention him in our facts. Oh, oh I, boy. I like where this is going. Um, I want to quickly mention the film Rafiki. This was from 2018. It is a very touching Kenyan drama that follows two women as they navigate their love for one another in a country where being LGBTQ is straight up illegal. Mm-hmm. No, they'll take you out, man. Um, this is the first Kenyan film to be screened at the Cannes Film Festival and was banned in its own country. Not surprising at all. Yeah, it's a really delicate film, but it's also one that's really rushing with energy and life. Um, the Watermelon Woman, I'm going to mention this because the content in this film is very interesting. Okay. The film itself. Not so, not so much. Not so much. Mm. But it's a weird like work of autofiction that focuses on a young black lesbian filmmaker who is searching for the identity of this beautiful black actress um, from a 1930s movie who was credited as like the watermelon woman. Okay. And she just kind of becomes obsessed with searching for her uh, true identity. And just the last one, Tongues Untied. This is directed by Emmy winner um, Marlon T. Riggs. And this is just a wild film. It blends genres. It's like part experimental, part documentary, and the whole goal is to like shatter the nation's silence on matters of sexual and racial difference. You've got 
different there's fusing music and dance and there's powerful poetry um and gives a voice to communities of gay black men that you don't hear from so something else to check out okay we're out of time jacob why don't you plug us up as always when we're running short on time we just want to <laughs> remind everybody out there that there's more than what we talked about here and you know where you can find all of them at your local library Woo-hoo. 37 branches all throughout erie county stop on by and say hi uh don't forget to visit our website at www.buffalolib.org see what kind of programs we got going on what our hours are and don't forget to follow us on twitter at all booked up pod and let us know what movies you'll be watching this weekend okay so i wanted to mention some black queer people from the past that maybe you haven't heard of right. but you should so it. we're doing gladys bentley um born 1907 mm-hmm. um bentley was a gender bending performer during the harlem renaissance so she would dance in a top hat in a tuxedo and would sing the blues in a lot of famous harlem establishments and according to a belated obituary that was published in 2019 and um, the new york times said that she died at age 52 and was Harlem's most famous lesbian from oh. like the 1930s and a, among the best known black entertainers in the United States. That's awesome. And a lot of people don't even know that name, that's, which is crazy. That, that stinks. Well, we're trying to get it out there now for you. Yeah, as Jacob mentioned, Bayard Rustin, born 1912 uh, to 1987. So Rustin was an LGBTQ and civil rights activist, best known for being a key advisor to Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. He actually is the person who organized the 1963 March on Washington. Oh, there you go. And was posthumously awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2013 for his activism. See, the kind of a big deal, the uh, the March on Washington. Is kind of a big remembers. deal. Audre Lorde, born 1934 to 1992. Lorde is a self-described black, lesbian, feminist, mother, poet, warrior, and has made contributions in the field of feminist theory and critical race studies and queer theory through her writing. Check her out. Um, Barbara Jordan, 1936 to 1996. This is a civil rights leader and attorney, became the first African-American elected to the Texas Senate in 1966. That's not an easy poll, folks. Nope. And the first woman and first African-American elected to Congress from Texas in 1972 was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Bill Clinton in 1994. Mm. Um, Ron Oden, born 1950, was elected mayor of Palm Springs, California in 2003, and he made history by becoming the first openly gay black man elected mayor of an American city. That's awesome, too, man. In 2003, though. It's well, not that long ago. Yeah, I know it's not. Well, Ruby Bridges is still alive. If you need context <laughs> on you, how soon stuff will happen. It really helps. And then the last one I'll say would, would be Andrea Jenkins, born 1961. Jenkins made history in November of 2017 by becoming the first openly transgender black woman elected to public office in the U.S. Um, and is a Democrat, is one of two openly trans people to win a seat on the Minneapolis City Council in 2017. These are awesome changes. We must be moving in the correct direction, right? Slowly but surely. (laughs) Minnesota's on board. We know we're we're in the right spot. It's tough to say, but okay, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye.